Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime. And you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to his word proclaimed. Well, God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the opportunity to gather as your people. And as we take this time to hear your word proclaimed, oh God, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. You know, it's amazing how fast time flies. You know? I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking about how, you know, we're finishing, let's see, end of September, so July, August. I'm into my third month here at the church, and it's just been a blast. You know, it's been a blast uh, being here on Sunday morning, seeing the work that God is doing in and among the church. There's also, for me, some, some, some downer times, too, like I'm finishing this Sermon on the Mount series, and I'm like, oh, man, I feel like I can go on and on and on with it. But maybe we'll, we'll pick something up again later, and we'll, we'll, we'll dig into some other passages of the Sermon on the Mount. But I wanted to pick today the closing teaching that Jesus had in this three-chapter uh, series of teachings, a closing that spurns us on to action, a closing that, that left the people astounded at what Jesus was saying. And I hope it leaves us astounded to be Christ's hands and feet to each other, to our community, and to our world. So I invite you to join with me as we take a look at the scripture from Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 24. If you don't have your Bibles with you today, the the words will be printed up on the screen. So hear the word of the Lord from the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7 of Matthew. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise builder who built a house on bedrock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against the house. It didn't fall because it was firmly set on bedrock. But everyone who hears these words on mine and doesn't put them into practice will be like a fool who builds their house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell and was completely destroyed. And when Jesus finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, this is one of those passages that, uh, as a kid, you may remember hearing this parable told and maybe even learned a little song about this passage. And maybe you're singing that song in your head like I am right now. But sometimes we dismiss this passage as a cute little ditty that Jesus may have thrown in at the last minute. We dismiss this passage because 
We, we tend to focus on who we say we are instead of who we really are. Jesus is talking about foundations and how important a strong foundation is. When I was doing youth ministry, we would uh, go to uh, Mexico, to right across the border to the town of Juarez, uh, to a ministry called Proyecto Abrigo. And I have a picture of a house that, uh, like the type of houses that we would build. We would build these concrete cinder block homes for families moving into the Juarez area. And the way that we would build these homes is that we would start by digging a trench around the, the base of the home. And then we would pour in some concrete and then lay these cinder blocks in on top of the concrete that we poured. And then the maestros, who were the, the hired workers that were there to, to make sure the house went up correctly, would tell all of the youth to get away. Because the important, really important part of the work was about ready to get started. See, each maestro would be in charge of one corner of the building. And they would build up a, a, founda- a quarter foundation that if it were set wrong or if it were placed slightly in a one way or another, it would cause the house to fall. You know, and it took a while for them to do this too. It wasn't something that had happened immediately. So the kids would just sit around and watch as the maestros carefully placed each of these cinder blocks in specific position. That way, the kids can come back in and finish up building the home. Building foundations take a long time. You know, we see around the city of Royce City a lot of new construction that's happening. And sometimes we may see... Uh, some, some equipment out in the field, and for about a month or two months, it doesn't really look like anything's happened. It's just they're playing around with dirt. And then the next thing you know, vroom, something pops up. Well, the reason why is that those two months, they're working on the foundation to make sure that it is nice and solid something that can support what they are building. You see, for me, that drives me nuts. You know, I, I admit one of, my, one of my biggest faults is that I can be a little impatient. <laughs> and I want things to happen immediately. You know, we live in what uh, I would say a crockpot world, but we expect microwave results. We want things to happen so quickly that, that we, we just don't, we don't want to take time to let things happen. These past three months have been a blessing to me. You know, whenever I came aboard, we had to hire the entire staff. And I tell you, as I said before, that scared the living daylights out of me. Because I wanted to hit the ground running and I wanted just to get move and chug and just say, boy, we're just on fire and we're just going. But because we had to stop 
And we had to take time to, to get the right people in place. It's like building a, a strong foundation that we can start building on. And I think as you look around, you can see that we're building on that foundation and things are starting to click in a way that God's glory is being shown through the work that is happening here at First Royce City. Building a foundation is so important, and it's so important in our faith, too. One of my favorite stories is from uh, Stephen Covey. He uh, talks about a, a, a professor that's teaching a classroom of students. And the professor stands there, and he takes this jar and sits it on top of a table. And then he reaches underneath, and he grabs a whole bunch of big rocks, and he, and he places those rocks inside of this glass container. And once all of the rocks are in there and it comes up to the brim of, of the jar, he asks the students, is my jar full? And the students in one loud voice say, yes. But then he reaches under the counter again and he pulls up a whole bunch of pebbles. And he starts dumping the pebbles into this jar. And once he's done that and the, and the, and the jar is, has all the pebbles in it, he asks the question again, is my jar full? And the students kind of hesitate a little bit because they were tricked the first time. And you hear that questioning, yes. And he pulls out another container that has a bunch of sand in it. And he takes the sand and he dumps the sand inside this jar and asks the question one more time, is my jar full? And the kids know that something is going to happen. So they say, no. And he grabs a, bu- a pitcher of water and he pours it on to the container until the jar starts to overflow. And Stephen Covey says that the teacher asked, what is the point of this illustration? And one of the kids said, well, the point is no matter how full your schedule is, you can always put more stuff in. And the professor said, no, that's not the point. The point is, if you don't start out with the big rocks, if you don't start out with what's really important, you won't have room for it. You're going to fill your life, you're going to fill your time with stuff that doesn't matter. And then whenever it comes to those things that are really important or those things that really matter in your life, you won't have a place for it. This kind of parallels what Jesus is talking about, about building a strong foundation, building on the rock, knowing that what you are preparing and what you are doing is laying a strong foundation for what is important. So what are those, what are those big rock things that, that we want to have in our lives? Well, first and foremost, I think our, our first and primary foundation needs to be built on Jesus Christ. See, as followers of Christ, if we, if we say that, you know, this is something I'm just going to lay aside and I'm going to let everything else come in, then we will lose what is important 
in our life. If you go through all, all of Scripture, you'll see the importance of laying Christ as your foundation. Psalm 62, verse 6 and 7 reminds us, Only God is my rock and salvation, my stronghold. I will not be shaken. My deliverance and glory depend on God. God is my strong rock. My refuge is in God. Sometimes it's easy to think that we can take care of things on our own, isn't it? That we don't need to wait on God or to allow God to inform us or, or guide us in our thinkings. But if you're like me, you know that that has a tendency to go haywire. Not only has a tendency to go haywire, it does go haywire. And then we're, we're caught wondering, what has happened to our life? But when we lay that first rock, when we lay that firm foundation of Jesus Christ our Lord, everything else can fall into place. So what else do we use? What else do we use to help build on a strong foundation? I had a pastor friend of mine, we were at a meeting this past week, and uh, he was asking the question, what does it take to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? What does it take to be a disciple? And another pastor friend said, well, it's not an easy question because a lot of people look at a disciple as many different things. But John Wesley gives us a picture of what it means to be a disciple. And it was through his, his three rules, his three general rules that he gave to his societies when he was in England. Those three rules are simple rules that you may be familiar with. The first one is do no harm. The second one is to do good. And then the final one is, to put simply, just stay in love with God. To do no harm, to do good, and to stay in love with God. If you look at the world today, I think it's harder to fall in line with those three simple rules than it was before. I think a lot of it has to do with that we live in this microwave-type world where it's actually a nice, slow-cooking crockpot world, where it takes time for things to develop, for things to, to grow. It takes time to understand what is going on around us. I love how Wesley put the do-no-harm rule first. Because I think we all think we do good, don't right? I mean, if we look how we, we love our families, we look at how we, we may bring tuna next week for the, the, the food pantry, or as we look at maybe volunteering with our kids or, or going to the schools and reading or do all that stuff, you know, those are all good things that, that we can do. But I think Wesley wanted us to really focus on what it means to do no harm. Now, I may get just a little political here, but I don't mean to get political because it's not a political issue to me. It's a justice issue. 
This past week, our bishops wrote out a letter in response to something that our governor has said that he's going to do with the refugee situation. And I don't know how you fall along the lines of of bringing in refugees from Syria, but there is a serious problem there. When I talk about there, I'm not talking about in Texas. I'm talking about in Syria, where people are caught in a worn, torn country. My heart was ripped apart a couple of weeks ago when there was a picture of a little boy sitting in an office covered with blood, just wondering what was going to happen to him. This is those places that it gets really, really sticky, that it gets really, really messy as people and children of God. How do we respond with love and compassion. And like our bishops, I don't think our response should be not letting people in. I think our response should be listening, understanding, and acting responsibly to the people who are in need in the world around us and in our country. You know, once again, we are bombarded with horrible things that are happening to our police and to the African-American community. That's a both-and situation. We just can't say anymore that black lives matter. We can't just say anymore that blue lives matter. We have to say we are the people of God, and our reaction should be appropriate to what is going on around us. My friends, we've stopped listening again. And it's time for us to listen, to see how we can do no harm to our neighbors and be the love of Christ as we are called to be. See, once we get this do-no-harm thing down, which is going to be hard to do. It's easy to do good. But the thing that holds it all together is Wesley's third rule, is to stay in love with God. If we stay in God's word, if we stay in community with one another, allowing God to move in and through our lives, the foundation that we build will be even stronger and it will allow us to give hope to the hopeless, allow us to bring peace to where there hasn't been peace, and allow us to be the body of Christ to a world that may not know Christ. One of my daily uh, disciplines that I practice is saying a particular prayer. And this is a prayer that is contributed to John Wesley called the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer. And it is that prayer that allows us to see how we respond to the world around us. So in closing today, I invite you to join with me in saying the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer that you will find printed on the screen. Would you please pray with me? 
I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. You see how this prayer answers all of those questions that Wesley had about doing no harm, about doing good, about staying in love with God. My hope and my prayer is as we continue to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ, as we continue to live in this world that he has so graciously given to us, we can respond in ways that brings peace, that brings hope, but most importantly, that brings the love of Christ to the community around us. Amen.